I was born in the Midwest and arrived in Boston in 2000 for music school. And my love of all things New England was love at first sight. And it was love at first sound. Perhaps this long-term relationship with New England is best exemplified in my love for sea shanties. In Gloucester, 45 minutes north of where I live in Boston, there's a group of folks that get together and sing sea shanties every single Monday night. Anybody been? Just me then, okay? Right. It's not exactly pop music. It's about 20 or 30 people, and they gather in the back room of this little bar by the water, and they sing body songs about the trials of sailing, lost love, and of course, the importance of rum. Shanties are perfect for community singing because they were designed to help everyone move in rhythm together. That's what they're there for, pulling on the ropes and the sails in the same way at the same time so things run smoothly as a team. My favorite part of these Monday night gatherings come right at the very end. Just when you think the evening is done, the songs are all sung, and everyone is getting up and putting on their coats and starting to say goodbyes, they circle up. They form this giant amoeba-like circle all the way around the room, every person with their arms around each other. And they sing this song, same song, every time, the Seaman's Hymn. It's a song to honor the sailing ancestors and to call for peace. It is a prayer in every sense of the word. And we pray that the wars and the tumult may cease For the greatest of gifts is a sweet lasting peace They sing it at the top of their lungs and so slowly that you can't understand a single word It's so beautiful and intimate and communal, and I get the sense that no one wants it to end, least of all me. It's this magical moment, and when it's done, everyone just smiles at each other and goes on about their day as if we hadn't all basically just professed our love to each other with this song. Circle round for peace, indeed. This is ritual. For me, it's only a once or twice a year ritual. But every time, it startles me into awareness. This is the amazing thing about ritual. You plan for it. You set the time aside for it. You drive 45 minutes to a small bar in Gloucester for it. And even still, with all that planning, it startles you into awareness. Awareness of our connection to each other, at their best, rituals can even startle us into universalism. Universalism of love that draws the circle wide. My Catholic grandparents were serious about ritual. The first time that my parents left me alone with them for a weekend, my grandparents performed an emergency baptism. <laughs> Using a loophole in Catholic doctrine, that allows for non-ordained people to perform this sacred rite, apparently using bathtub water. 
It was only, though, when I was 19 years old and my grandmother had passed away that my mom, who was cleaning out her closets, found a baptismal certificate showing that my grandparents had then also taken me to an official priest to have a more official baptism as, I guess, a sort of backup to the loophole ritual they had previously done. My mom was so pissed, my mom that raised me Unitarian Universalist, was so pissed that they had done this in secret that she ran down the stairs waving this certificate at my grandpa, yelling, what the hell is this? To which my grandpa replied with the most perfectly disarming response, it was your mother's idea. I should say that I have an appreciation for my grandparents' devotion. While I don't personally believe in the possibility of a fiery afterlife, I don't actually mind having a little extra divine safety net, you know, just in case. And I appreciate my grandparents' devotion because I think we have a need for ritual, this ritual of remembering our connection to each other and to the divine. Ritual is about committing to the practices of connection. Would you say practices of connection? It's about making space for moments of awe that startle us into awareness. Ritual is about acknowledging and naming turning points in our story. It's about reflecting on our lives, looking back to see where we've come from and where we're going. Would you say reflection? And ritual is about allowing ourselves to process the complexity of our lives. We do life better when we have the chance to make meaning of our stumbling and our weaknesses and our truth-finding. Would you say make meaning? meaning. Ritual is about practices of connection, reflection, and meaning-making. The need for more life-affirming ritual shows up a lot in our society. As we approach the sacred holiday of July 4th, you all know that there are all kinds of other holidays all around the year that people don't actually really celebrate. Just as an example, you know that July is National Fried Clam Day, National Chocolate Wafer Day, uh, it includes National Hawaii Day, uh, National Simplicity Day comes on the same day as Different Colored Eyes Day, Pecan Day, Paper Bag Day, and Eat Your Jello Day. And July 4th, just by itself, is National Amelia Earhart Day, Thermal Engineer Day, Tequila Day, drive through Day, drive through Day, and National Cousins Day. That's only half the list for July. I'll spare you the rest. In 1986, one in every three laws passed by the United States of America Congress was a commemorative day, week, or month. One in three laws that they passed. So in the 90s, they passed a law forbidding the passing of laws celebrating commemorative holidays. But people still track them, of course. It's just not managed by the United States Congress anymore. I'd like to think they've moved on to more productive things, but I think that has yet to be determined. Now, some of these holidays... National Pancake Day, Ice Cream Day, S'mores Day, Splurge Day, and tomorrow, Take a Starving Artist Out to Lunch Day. Note that for the musicians in your life. These are, of course, tools of the capitalist consumer patriarchy. They are sponsored by niche marketing, advertising, 
But I think there is a sincere yearning behind these absurd holidays. They come, at least in part, from a need to mark and measure our time together, to create a shared story. I have some rituals in my own life, in addition to pancake day and take a starving artist out to lunch day. I try to say gratitudes every night before I go to sleep, which science tells us leads to sleeping better and a healthier life. I read Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from a Birmingham jail on his birthday every January. I spend a week hiking in the woods every summer, and then I have a ritual of eating a lot of fried food when I get out of the woods every summer. I send out fair trade chocolate and love notes on my birthday each year, which is a chance to reflect on who's in my life or who I've lost touch with. I take time for singing and dancing and, of course, sea shanties. And I worship every other Wednesday with Sanctuary Boston, my own worship community that prioritizes ritual and music over words in our services. But I still feel an absence of ritual, and I want more of it in my life. I'll give you an example of a time I really felt this absence. A few months ago, I was driving to Maine, and I passed a serious car accident. Other folks had already stopped to see if they could help and to to call for assistance, but there were no medical people there yet. The accident was severe enough that I wondered if I might be witnessing the scene of a fellow human being's death. There's the sense I had of witnessing suffering and violence, and I just didn't know what to do with it. I wished I had had a prayer or a sign to make or a song to sing. I felt helpless, and I wanted a way to process this sense of humanity. A few weeks ago, when the news first broke that our government was separating children from their parents in detention centers, a community of faith activists gathered at the Massachusetts State House to speak out on this issue. We traveled through the State House, giving letters to representatives and eventually sitting in in Governor Baker's office. I felt that similar need, witnessing suffering witnessing violence, and not knowing what to do with it. And this ritual of coming together in the State House gave me a way to, to connect, to startle me back into a sense of connection, to make some meaning of my place in things. And as we poured in through the metal detectors into the hallways and filled up the hallways of the State House, a dozen people, two dozen, four dozen, six dozen, we, we formed this amoeba-like circle. We circled around the hallway and we sang together. Somebody's hurting my brother And it's gone on far too long It's gone on far too long Oh, it's gone on far too long Somebody's hurting my brother And it's gone on far too long And we won't be silent anymore. It was a moment of ritual. It startled us into awareness. Circle round for freedom, indeed. I continue to seek out rituals for those moments of vulnerability 
those moments where I want to remember our sacred connection to each other. Times in my life after a big loss or a breakup, when starting a new job, when an ambulance passes on the street, hearing the news of mass shootings, or even the news of a political win, there's this question that underlines so many of these experiences for me. How do we connect in this moment? How do we acknowledge and name this time in our story? And what does it mean for who we are? Connection, reflection, meaning-making. At times like this, I want something to lean on. I wish I had a more structured way to help me celebrate these joys or to process grief. I wish I had more reliable practices. But I am still in search of some of them. And many of them I find in communities like this, singing together on Sundays, being in silence together, praying together, marching together. Elizabeth Gilbert says in her book, Eat, Pray, Love, she says, this is what rituals are for. We do these spiritual ceremonies as human beings in order to create a safe resting place for our most complicated feelings of joy or of trauma so that we don't have to haul those feelings around with us forever, weighing us down. Other religious traditions have so much to teach us about rituals. Saying grace before meals is something I learned from my Catholic grandparents, which taught me to pause in gratitude before sharing a meal. Sharing a prayer before drinking wine with Jewish friends taught me to be present with the people around me. Marching in protest with fellow activists reminds me that healing can be communal and it can be public. Drinking homemade grain alcohol for ceremonies in Ghana taught me the beauty of celebrating hospitality for guests and newcomers. Taking communion with Christian friends has been a reminder that the holy mystery can be embodied here on this earth. And joining with fellow Unitarian Universalists and reading the Mother's Day Priest Proclamation every year reminds me to honor my movement ancestors while continuing to work for a better future. So I'm thinking about where to bring more rituals into my life, committing to the practices of connection and awe, acknowledging and naming our shared story, and making meaning of the complexity of our lives. I invite you to take a moment and think for yourself in silence. What are the practices for connection, naming, and meaning-making in your own life? Let's join together in shared reflection. May we seek out those moments that startle us into an awareness of our interdependence, that startle us into awareness of our reliance on one another, of our shared humanity, and the circle of love that takes us all, every one of us, in. May it be so.